0: Konnichiwa! Welcome to the Furigu I'm am a media assistant from Finland. If you're new to this podcast, this is a film podcast that we have devoted for analyzing all types of film. And typically we travel around the world. So if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to facebook.com slash The Flick Lab. And there you will find our international movie challenge for the year 2019. This particular movie today is not related to this uh, challenge per se, but we like to cover a lot of international cinema. Anyway, so tonight's guest is Nora from Finland. Who lived in Japan for one year? Hi. So, my co host is a master of arts in the making, Henriku san. How are you, Henrik?
1: I'm sparking out of control.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Are you already making your snail soup?
1: Is it already boiling? I'm completely lost here at this moment. Today's
0: uh, subject happens to be involving snails or is it slugs, the correct word in this case. Nora, thanks a lot for joining us and especially for waiting on us because we had insane technical problems just now. But I hope this is, I hope, now resolved. (laughs) So Nora, where did you live in Japan?
2: Yamaguchi.
0: What did you do exactly?
2: My main job there was to like study the language and just pretend to be a local. So (laughs) all I really did was um, try to make friends and study the language as a Japanese high school student.
0: Very, very good. Excellent. Will you someday move back to Japan? Any ideas like that?
2: Well, yes. It's kind of like a long-term dream for me. I visited about two or three times after I came home. And every time I go back there, it's like uh, I'm back in my home country or something. So it's definitely uh, a dream of mine if I will someday hopefully find a way to make it back there for even more permanently. That would be nice, yes.
0: Yeah, what do you do outside of all this Japan stuff? You're in Finland and uh, life is good?
2: Yeah, life is good. I'm currently working on finishing my studies at the Karelia University of Applied Sciences. I study tourism and hospitality as my major. So I'm working on finishing my studies and then just seeing where life will take me. Who knows? Hopefully in Japan.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could you share us something that was interesting to you perhaps in the everyday culture of Japan, something that perhaps differs from your home culture of Finland.
2: The whole education system and the school rules and stuff are so, I think that was one of the most different thing to happen. We had all these school uniforms, as you can see in the movie, when they enter the school, they take their outwear shoes off and switch to slippers. Right. The school system there is very much different than what we have in Finland. So that was interesting to live that experience.
0: Hmm. What was like the uh, area of interest that you were studying there? Or just like Japanese stuff, basically?
2: Basically, just like Japanese stuff. The school I'd attended, I just, any other class that I was in, I just listened and didn't like attend at all. But during the first half of the year, I attended this Japanese language school once a week. The teachers visit me in school every once in a while. At one point, when I'd go to the library to do self-study, they would visit me to teach me there. In the end, it was a lot easier than I expected, but that's one thing I'm guessing on because in the end, you're only surrounded by that language. It's something you hear every day, so it's kind of easy to pick up. Even though I didn't like speak very much at all before I went there,
0: and it seems like it's very important to get to know some Japanese. The Japanese do not speak that much English. Is it correct?
2: Yes, it's a uh, very typical that the way they study usually ends up in that they may know some English, but usually they lack the confidence to use that skill. But um, even in my high school. They luckily made me attend the class where the homeroom teacher was an English teacher so that he could like translate everything for me that I needed to know at the start. But, um, yes, most of the students, I'd say nearly 90% were very discouraged in speaking in English, which was hard at first. We used dictionaries to communicate, but, um, in the end, it was good for me because I wanted to communicate with them in Japanese and not in English. So it was uh, a fast process for me to learn the language that way.
0: And what would you most recommend to do or see in Japan?
2: If we're talking about someone who's going there for the first time, of course, Tokyo, Osaka, the big cities. If you're like, just want to get the main image of the country. But if you're... Going for a second time or third time, or maybe aren't interested in the so called mainstream sites of the cities or anything like that, then definitely the countryside is something worth visiting. Like the little temples and shrines that they have all around the countryside with the rice fields and the mountains, they are so beautiful. The city I was in, in Japan scale, it was somewhat small, it was only like a 200 thousand people live there it was still such a pretty town to go it was surrounded by mountains even the Mm. the name of the city translated like straight translation of it is um mountains mouth so there were a lot of mountains definitely there it's something that i completely fell in love with the countryside and then in the south they have the kyushu island with um That's also worth visiting if you're interested in the onsen and like the hot bath culture of Japan. And then if you're skiing, they also have skiing in Hokkaido. You can go ski and snowboard during the winter. So there's a lot of activities and sights to see for everyone outside of Tokyo and Osaka as well.
0: I haven't visited Japan, but from what I understand, is that the countryside is a completely different world compared to something like. Tokyo or something so
2: absolutely yeah. yeah yeah
0: but before we start to sound like a travel podcast <laughs> did you find any spirals while in Japan?
2: Not that it stuck into mind but I'm sure there were a few
0: yeah so today's film is indeed about spirals Uzumaki or spiral or I believe there's a name vortex or full name Uzumaki vortex. The translation for this movie. Ooh. Well, yeah, it can be a vortex as well sometimes. Henrik, why did you choose this movie? What's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> well, the question is more is more like what's not wrong with me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, Uzumaki is kind of an old favorite of mine. Found it years ago. It was back in the Vitanen days, as I yeah. recall. I actually don't know totally why this movie. When I first time saw it, it captured me so well. I mean, now this is my fourth time seeing this film, and I kind of have to admit that the initial admiration that I had towards the film has somewhat lessened throughout the years. Now, watching it today, I don't completely see all the amazingness that I once saw in this film, and of course, reading the original manga on top has in no way actually helped the matter but there is something that I can't quite put my finger on which I really like in Usumaki.
0: As mentioned Henrik did review this film for the website that we hosted like oh god it's like 15 years ago at this point and he did the review I thought that it would be something nice to chew on When we're having this a bit insane recording schedule for a moment here when we're doing, once again, like two episodes a week. Yeah, it's a very artistic film. There's great cinematography to be found, so I'm not surprised that you would find something, well, mesmerizing here. For me, it was my first time seeing this film. I managed to read all the Uzumaki mangas a few hours ago, and it was certainly interesting in its style, although... I guess I have to come clean already that it is getting a bit too fantastical for my tastes at some points but certainly did overall enjoy looking at it Nora is this your first time seeing this film
2: I thought it was but then while watching it it felt like I already knew so I feel like I've seen it like probably 10 years ago or something but um it's definitely I know Junji Ito, hmm. the guy who wrote this, and he's kind of like a classic name when it comes to like Japanese horror manga, as far as I know. And it's the Uzumaki, and the I think the other one is the Tomie yeah. series that um, I've come across on like the internet in like around the years. And it's an interesting watch for sure. And it's quite a classical case, in my opinion of um Japanese horror manga.
0: Okay. What kind of films do you usually like to watch? Is this right around your alley, horror or something else?
2: I don't actually tend to watch movies nowadays, but um definitely hmm. something like this. Um I don't have a set type, but usually something either horror or usually the storytelling is something that's important to me rather than the genre in itself. But yeah, something like horror or It's something that would be in my alley.
0: Yeah, this was my first time, actually, reading his manga. I've never been particularly a guy to read manga at all. No particular reason. I just haven't. Mm -hmm. It was quite interesting. Like, his visual style. It was something like when I would finish one chapter of reading this manga, I felt, I don't know, disoriented, but I was like, ooh, wow, okay, that was... Something, definitely. So it, mm. it made me feel feel something. Imagine that. And uh, <laughs> Junji Ito, uh, apparently a reclusive, shy, introverted character, started first working as a dentist, but found fame in the 90s as a manga artist. It started as a hobby for him to start manga. And there was also a plan to do a video game for the modern times with the name Silent Hills. With
2: I think I read about that, yes.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: With the... uh,
0: Guillermo del Toro.
2: Yes, and Hideo Kojima. Kojima Hideo-san, yes. Yeah, absolutely. The Metal Gear Solid Genius. Yeah. But then it flopped or something. I don't know what happened.
0: Are you like a gamer girl?
2: Kind of, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great to have one here. It was actually a very, very quick production. It was... At least the shooting took only two weeks, so mm. I'm applauding for that one. Pretty varied scenes, in my opinion, for a two-week shot. Henrik, have you read any of the other works of Junji Ito?
1: I I have read... I haven't gone yet through the entire body of work in Ito's case. I read the entire Tomie saga and the other longer works he has done, the Gyo most notably and quite a lot of his short stories but with it all the case is that he's kind of a nightmare to get your hands on in finland overall in the western countries i feel that there is not that many adaptations of his stories or they have not been published that much there is some collections but as far as I've understood, none of those collections actually published all of Ito's work. Like, there are stories that never have gone to West, and even those translated publications are kind of a nightmare to get your hands on.
0: There was this one story that I was kind of interested about, The the Enigma of Amigara Fault. It's a, which it's is, a, yeah, it's, yeah,
1: it's just kind of a go-to classic that people often like to bring up when they recommend Ito's work.
0: Yes, so it involves some kind of a holes in the ground or the r- solid wall rock that are in the shape of the people. And you have to pick the correct hole to get inside correctly, otherwise you're going to be malformed by the hole to the formation of the hole. And something like that. That's what, uh, that was an interesting visual representation once again.
1: It is uh, basically the graphical aspects of horror manga, I think, are something where Ito really excels on. Like the imagery he gives you is some of the creepiest I've seen in horror mangas.
0: And uh, unfortunately this never came to fruition, but uh, there are two very, very old games related to Uzumaki from somewhere in, in the 90s or early 2000s. These were released for the handheld gaming device. Bandai Wonderswan. The first game was Uzumaki Denshi Kaiki Hen. It was like a visual novel game. So basically you you have, it's like a text-based game, uh, as I understand it. Yeah, so there can be audiovisual elements there, like audio and video and pictures. Then there was a second game, Uzumaki Noroi Simulation. Both of these games are from 2000, both are for Wonderswan. In this one, the players are meant to spread the spiral curse, so you are the evil character in that one. Henrik, do you have something on the cast membership of this film?
1: Actually, this is a rather surprising situation for our podcast, because Usumaki happens to be a film where pretty much the entire cast is such that you actually can't say much of anything about them. The director... Basically, has only a couple of films <laughs> under his belt. belt? Yeah. yeah.
0: And no information. No, and information. no
1: information. Same goes for <laughs> majority of the actors. Basically, only the actress playing Kiriya Koshima, Riko Hatsune, is from the group. She's the, kind of the mainstream, the main actress, who has done pretty much most of the work. In different productions. And even with her. you know, Uzumaki is the only film from her. That I've actually seen. So I'm drawing complete blank here. When it comes to actually the production crew.
0: Yeah.
2: I guess the spirals got to all of them.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, sucked by the time warp or something.
2: <laughs>
0: then there is. Uh, Fee Fun as Shuichi. Unfortunately I have zero information. About him as well. I found some pictures on Google and that's about it hmm. Then there is Keiko Takahashi playing Yukiya Saito. She appeared in a Nikatsu Roman porno film oh. and uh, I believe it was some kind of a soft porn. then there is Ren Osugi as Toshia Saito sadly died at the age of 66. He had a very long and productive film career it seems. Respected actor, able to play a multitude of character roles. Then there is Hinako Saeki as Kyoko Sekino, Japanese actress who was born in 77. Her best known role was as uh, Sadako Yamamura in the Rasen, which is actually a sequel to the horror film Ring, which probably rings a bell, no pun intended. Well, only thing that we know about Higuchinsky, the director, is that he was apparently born in Ukraine, On February 27th, 1969, and that's the extent of information that we know. But it was kind of vaguely suggested that he might be, he or she actually, might be coming from music video production background. But don't take my word for that either. (laughs) And then he has made only three films. One of them is also related to
1: The Long Dream. Is that the one you are looking for? Long Dream,
0: yeah, also known as Nagai Yume from 2000. It's about an endless dream, as I could understand it from description. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen also the third film that he has made from 2003, known as Tokyo 10 plus 01, and this was some kind of a comedy with some crime or horror-esque elements. Didn't receive very good reviews, though. And he completely disappeared. He or she completely disappeared from the map after that. Mm. Well, let's focus on the things that we do know. We have all seen the film, and we could start this scene by scene.
1: Yeah, I'm completely fine with that, with this particular film.
0: Well, this movie is uh, split in four chapters. The last two arguably shorter considerably than the first two, and we already start with some grim scenes. We have a flash into the first death of this film, and the starting titles, and this film, in some parts, especially in the beginning, goes exactly like uh, the manga, which is nice, and they really tried to, you know, capture the essence of the manga, which I can argue can be really hard, well, Well, as I have read the full manga, I guess also Henrik has, you could say that there are several moments that probably many manga fans would love to see in the film or some other version of this film, but they would be quite hard to pull off without being, I should say, I guess, ridiculous. Mm. Because uh, different things, of course, work on paper. But yeah, we are immediately introduced to this uh, leading character. Is it Kiria? Yeah.
2: Yes, Kiria.
0: Kirie is bothered by this uh, harasser, and his name is actually the same as your village. Yes, uh,
2: yes. Yamaguchi. Yes.
0: Yamaguchi, right. There's a certain style in Japanese films that I have paid attention to, that usually the colors at least during those these years are, it almost looks like there's zero color correction being done on this film, or it's just simply some kind of a Style of the time. Arguably, this production was quite cheap in production value. Like many films that I've seen from Japan, well, are. Well, I have concentrated on horror, but you can see, like, the similar look in the films time and time again. Is this something that bothers us? Mm. It's different from any American flick.
2: Yeah. To me, it wasn't something that would particularly ruin this movie for me, so... At least for me, it's
0: fine. Yeah. And another thing to note is... Well, I guess this color scheme kind of contributes to the realisticity of it all that Japanese seem to be fond of here. Even though we're talking about curses and uh, impossible twisting of the human body and all that, but was it James Cameron that once said something akin to the fact that the more ridiculous things you have in your film, the more realistic the rest of it has to be? And I agree. It's great, it's great. And another feature of Japanese films is often that they have a lot of extended long shots with very little attention paid to close-ups. But maybe not here, maybe not here, because it's trying, first of all, to imitate the manga. So you almost see picture by picture the same frames that you see in the manga in places.
2: Yeah, I was interested to hear, as you both read the manga, that how it differs from this movie. So hopefully you can bring those types of differences up along the way.
0: Yeah. Well, what would be the main difference? Well, the manga is way longer, of course. Uh, It's like, what what did I read it? Like 250 pages or so. It took a while. Mm -hmm. The manga concentrates in different types of problems that the spiral causes to the city. And at the very, very end of it, like chapter 19 or 20, is it? when it finally comes to, you know, the kind of a conclusion phase where the people start actually asking, oh, how do I actually get out of this village? You know, Could be a good idea to maybe look into this. But I guess they were too preoccupied with the horrors of the village and the fact that everybody said that you cannot get out of there, so fair enough. And I would say that the manga works better. It works better because mm. I think it's darker. Mm. Mainly that. I was impressed.
2: Yes, and I feel like the expressing the horror would be a lot easier in a, a drawing than in live-action film. So I feel like in this concept it would probably work better as a manga than a live-action movie. But
1: This is an interesting piece to cover in that sense because in one way the film is extremely similar with the manga. Of course, it's more limited in scope. The manga takes more time and it studies more different situations when it comes to the curse. But when it comes to the limited viewpoint that this film takes about the story of the manga, it stays admirably close to the original manga. But at the same time, the manga carries this level of cosmic, all consuming threat and this apocalyptic feeling the story is very downbeat very no way but to lose scenario and uh, there is a notion given that this can be something that actually consumes everything and that i would say that is the major thing that the film tries to capture but i guess due to budget limitations it just quite can't get into that level
0: To be honest, I was kind of impressed by some of the effects at the later stages of the film. I was expecting even less of effects. Just maybe because I'm comparing to several other horror-esque films from Japan that more play on the psychological side of it all, less on the effects. But yeah, it was nice to see people twisting around. Mm. (laughs) Twisted mind of mine. One difference right off the gate compared to manga is, well, admittedly quite small, but is the fact that Shuichi's father in the manga does not carry a video camera at all. He's just staring at different things. Miyazaki is the first kill of the film. It's told that he did uh, gymnastics on the handrail and looks like he has a smile on his face when he's as a dead corpse on the floor. And this first one was quite effective because practically nothing horrifying happens until at this point when it just comes crashing down on you, like pooh, here's your surprise kill and it worked for me. I would say that the beginning and the ending have the best creep factor in it.
2: Yes, and um, especially in this first kill that happened in the school, in the film, I'm not sure if the scene is the same as in the manga. But in the film, when you can see that when he dropped down, it happened on the spiral staircase. Yep. Which was a nice, nice little thing to notice.
0: Yeah, these spirals are all over the film. And it was kind of a fun little pastime to try to spot all the possible vortexes or spirals during this film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like the film The Eye. This is one of those spot the thing hidden in different (laughs) frames of the film The motion picture, kind of. Yeah,
0: it was. and It's also great to see that the cast seems to be pretty well chosen for their roles. Especially, I would say, that Shuichi is uh, spot on when I compare it to the manga. Works for me, to an extent, at least to Kiria as well.
2: Yeah, I thought the acting was pretty good, in my opinion. Not knowing, though, the whole manga thing, but seemed fine to me, at least.
0: Yeah, I guess it's always hard for me to say when the acting is good or bad in a Japanese film, because I don't know what's the, like the honest, the real output of a Japanese person, because I haven't been in Japan and all that. But mm. yeah, you understand also some of the language, so that probably kind of gives you some keys to the kingdom to understand like, the situation.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes maybe the delivery on some was... Uh bit flat, but I'm not sure if that was something they intended. Especially with Shuichi, his character seems somewhat of a kind of a flat, monotone, boring type of person, yeah. is the image that I got from him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but uh, also, at least on the silver screen, is what I say, that Japanese mm. people have less of an, an expressed emotion than what you would see in the mm. Hollywood production. I believe. Yes.
2: Yes. And the typical face is the surprised when they like open their eyes and lift their eyebrows like what. <laughs> and something that I noticed they and like especially they had the few scenes where like especially in the start when the Yamaguchi tried to confess his love to Kirie and they had like the whole in your face shooting real close up shots of the both of them which was interesting.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, the film seemed to be trying to make the point right off the gate that everybody seems to be into Kirie. There's the creeper guy, uh, Yamaguchi, mm. and like Shuichi, in the manga, it's not all of a sudden that he is asking that they should, as he puts it, elope from the village. Mm. It's more like uh, it passes like to the half point, the manga, and then he comes out with this idea of eloping, basically. Here it seemed a little bit sudden, like, oh, okay, hold your horses, boy, but... Uh,
2: yeah, especially since at this point where he suggested it, there were basically almost no signs to us given about this exactly. whole spiral thing, except the his father staring at the snail, but that wasn't pretty much anything to elope about, but um, yeah. who knows.
0: Part one also includes the spiral fish cake. Mm. One visual interesting part that I noticed here is that they sped up the video to, I feel, to imitate the manga-ish feel. When they illustrate on the manga some kind of a fast movement and uh, Mm. that's what they do here as well. There's an interesting quote. The character says, one brings forth one's own Uzumaki. So I think it was the father of Shuichi. Mm.
1: One
0: brings forth one's own Uzumaki. Henrik, did you find any deeper meaning in that?
1: Not actually. I I have to confess that when it comes to all the philosophical scout degree that we have tried to achieve here on the podcast, (laughs) I don't know if it's the cultural thing or if it's me just not completely getting into the story, but I really did not find basically any hidden meaning throughout the story, even though I could very well believe that there are a lot of hidden meanings here, but I'm completely oblivious to them.
0: Yeah, in a, another sense, it is kind of clear, though, what he's trying to say when the ice start spinning in his head. So, there he's making his own spiral. So, chapter two, erosion. Chapter two starts with slime. The slime guy, Katayama.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Comes to class.
0: Yeah, you should kind of assume that it's water because it was raining heavily. Which yeah. is also seen in the manga in several shots, but well, it's kind of like a gooey stuff that it, he is covered head to toe with. And there is this uh, sort of a smart guy Chuyama, picking on him. That yeah. even a snail would be faster than you. And
2: I.e. Mm. the tough guys of the class.
0: Yeah, Chuyama, Oyama. There's so many names, but
1: as long as we know who Kiria and exactly. Chiyuichi are. But since we are talking about, actually, the school bullies, I have to ask, since this is kind mm. of the your typical, I would almost say, stereotype Japanese school bully, how actually close to reality this image of Japanese school bully is? Are they like this, or is this just a trope that refuses to die?
2: No, I think it's quite realistic in ways that um, there's this whole image of a, like, Bad boy rebel that they call Yankees in Japan. And it means they're basically like the students that rebel and like, act tough guys and smoke cigarettes and so usually it's them against like the nerdy types. So it's pretty accurate. But um it was kind of the thing in like eighties, nineties. It's been for a long time, so now it's a bit different, but um the idea pretty much is the same so yeah there is some truth behind that trope
1: what about there is also usually the mm-hmm. usage of a lot of violence the school bullies are prone to be quite violent in here we have this open kicking of a fellow student in the classroom in other films they tend to actually carry knives or some other small weaponry with them are they this violent do they usually carry <laughs> knives with them
2: It's not something that I did witness myself. The school I went to was a pretty high level school. It's like a hard to get into very academic high school, but the gang lives and the lifestyle is to this day something that is happening in Japan. Definitely in some parts of Japan, in some schools, there are students like this. I think it was maybe four or five years ago there was this case near Osaka I believe where this kid I think he was like 13 years old he was hanging out with these I think they were about high school or almost to their 20 these guys that were part of the gang and he was hanging out with them I think to be like cool or something but um then they treated him like awful and made him do this they treated him like a slave basically like they made him do all the frustrating work for him like go to the store and stuff they beat him up and when he tried to he kind of like got enough and tried to leave they ended up killing him and tried to decapitate his head Jesus. as uh I, th- I think it was like they said it was an isis inspired killing almost it was just like three or five years ago the image people have of japan is like this very neat and uh, tidy and polite. Mm. But the fact is that, yes, there are, like, gangs and a lot of dark stuff still happening there. So, yes, it's a thing, unfortunately, yes.
0: Yeah, I was just about to ask you about the whole politeness aspect, because we, from here in Europe, see Japan as something very, like, I don't know, cultivated and polite and kind of prestigious in style.
2: Mm -mm. But
0: uh, maybe this kind of a polite way also feeds the darker side, the Mm. Kind of the underworld, but uh, definitely,
2: yes. How do you
0: see the average Japanese? Are they still as nice as you can see on the TV?
2: I say yes, on the average. Of course, coming to the 2019 now, it's of course developing and like they're becoming free minded, I'd say, as um, many Asian countries and even in Japan have been very close minded and strictly trying to hold on to like traditions. But um, they're changing. But overall, the value of politeness and their own traditions is still very important to them. But um, they're changing year by year, I'd say.
0: Did you find it challenging to navigate in the world of many different polite levels based on your rank and your age and social status?
2: Yes, (laughs) it was my worst nightmare. (laughs) As in Finland, when we don't... The polite levelness in our language. Yeah. There, I was so scared to even like talk to the teachers because I would be afraid of like saying something that was considered rude or something. Talking to friends was always like nice, but every time I had to like speak to my teacher or the principal or someone higher than me, it was always so terrifying and nerve wracking almost because I was so scared of coming out as rude even though I intend not to but um all of them were still very understanding so of course they'd like understand if I'd mess up and say something but um yeah it was something <laughs> that I struggled with certainly
0: yeah it's interesting it's like in Finland we basically have some kind of a uh, politeness levels of course but uh, mm-hmm. during the last 20 years uh, I don't know if anyone uses this different language when they are talking to their elders, for example. Mm. But do you feel like you got some different perspective that was useful for you? Like from that politeness, did you feel that it was valuable?
2: I do, yes. Like I believe because of my personality, I'm very polite and kind to people. So I fit in quite well. It wasn't an issue for me at all, other than... Fearing of coming out as rude, even though I intend not to, but um, yes, it was definitely something interesting to see. As in Finland, the whole system works in such different ways that it was interesting to see the respecting culture and like the respect your elders type of thing to a uh, quite another level. And um, yes, it was certainly yes, yeah, very interesting to live by.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for me, even just coming back from Poland from time to time to Finland, like now, I, I have kind of grown to appreciate that kind of a certain level of codes that because it's day to day basic life in even mm. Poland that you address somebody when you go to the store, you address them like, good day, sir, or, or good day, ma'am, or something like that. Mm. And then you come Finland to Arkiosk. Everybody's like, moi, moika. So a very in, yeah. informal language. Yes, it kind uh, of yeah. feels weird at this point.
2: Yeah, and um, especially in Japan, when you enter the store and they talk to you, they're very friendly and it felt so weird to be like treated like this, to like some sort of upper person. But um, yeah, I had this one time when I was leaving school and I had forgotten. It was the typhoon season. I had forgotten my umbrella and I had to start walking to the station without one. And I had made it barely less than 100 meters away from my school. And this car pulled up right next to me. I was like, what? And I like, took a look in the car. And the person driving opened the window on my side and poked an umbrella <laughs> from the window. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'll make it. And then they didn't say anything. They just like kept on sticking the umbrella to me then i took it and i said thank you and the car just drove off i was i stood there for like a minute or two so confused about what just happened a stranger pulled over and gave me their umbrella because i was walking in the rain without one like this would never happen in finland <laughs> never it was so weird to me but um i guess it just shows the value of their politeness in there it's quite something
0: wow yeah, because when you started telling the story, I was convinced that for some unknown reason, this passerby had gotten a hold of your umbrella and was trying to hand it to you, but no, they're no. their own.
2: Yep. yep. Yeah, I had mine at home, I think. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't have any with me and it started raining all of a sudden. I was like, oh, great. This is exactly what I wanted. But yeah. this uh, stranger just decided to make my day out of nowhere. I still think about it to these days, like sometimes I just remember it and wow, yeah. Japan is quite something.
0: Well, basically Shuichi then tells to Kirie that there's a spiral problem in this village. Shuichi's father starts collecting everything involving spirals. We are introduced to the back problems with this slimy guy at the beginning of the chapter two, indicating that this guy is going to develop into a slug later on.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good build-up, actually, here, because you clearly see that something is wrong, but if you don't have that pre-knowledge from the manga, knowing what's going to happen to this character, you kind of just can't picture together where all the build-up is going to lead, eventually.
0: No, and maybe this slug snail thing jumps a little bit out of the blue. In manga, of course, it's well explained, but here is just one weird element. You see the kids turning into snail slugs and they are climbing up the school building suddenly.
2: And everyone thinks it's cute.
0: (laughs) Was it even mentioned in the film? This is very clear in manga. They say that when there is a spiral in the sky that the, is it Kirie's mother, who goes a little berserk in this funeral event? She looks into the sky and sees the spiral in the sky, and the spiral in the sky is supposed to be the collection of all the ashes that live in this village. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and after this, in the manga, they change their habits and they stop doing ashes and they just dump the full bodies into the graveyard. But this doesn't seem to work either because they (laughs) have the ability, at least some of them, to rise up from the grave, especially if you make the effort to actually... Crave dig and pick one of those guys out from there for whatever reason. That was one of the most memorable scenes, if you can say a scene in a, in a manga. When uh, it's Shuichi and Kiria, they go to the graveyard, they start to get to the body, they start to dig and get the body of Yamaguchi. They get him out and suddenly he's like, boo! and he seems to be in all these taped-together pieces of his body, and he starts to jump like jack-in-the-box in the the graveyard, doing, doing, trying to grab them. And while he's doing that, his body is falling a little by little to pieces until it's basically just his upper body and then head hopping around with this uh, jack-in-the-box wiring, and that was really freaky.
2: Mm. A very different death from... The movie, yeah. where he ran o- under the car.
0: I would imagine this, this would be kind of the top scenes that you could pull mm. off in the film, but maybe this is where the budget limitations come to play.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. It also, in the original manga, it pretty really nicely tied into the ace and vampire mythology, where I don't... For the life of me, I can't remember what the ace and vampires were called. They had their own term, but they had... Mm. This traditional way they they moved by jumping. So basically, it the among the jumping corpse kind of both it's called back to that check in the box, but at the same time, it also works as this form of an Asian vampire.
0: Interesting. Yamaguchi jumps on Kiria once again with the check in the box toy surprise gift. Shortly after, Yamaguchi san is driven over by a car. Out of his own will, because he ran under the car to impress Kiria, so she would remember him forever. Such a lovely thing to do. So romantic.
2: Very very romantic, yes.
0: Yeah. This was an interesting scene visually. It goes again like the manga. Like the whole body gets twisted around the tire of the car. Well, him. We can see that the car wasn't really driving with the top speed, but at the end it's a complete mayhem uh, that kind of shortly distracted me, but I understand the production values uh, may be what they are.
2: Or how many stunt guys they had to...
0: Yeah. <laughs> Estimated one <laughs> one million uh, dollars for this film, so sounds like peanuts, really.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's incredibly difficult, actually. In a situation of being overrun by a car to get your body tied around that tire... Uh,
0: yeah, Unfortunately for this episode, as we often like to do, we like to evaluate everything that is unbelievable in a film and put it in a real-life context. You know, get the facts, the science into the play. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to get into the whole car dynamics for this podcast, but maybe we can do without it. That would have been fun. But all in all, in this film, all the bodies are getting twisted in incredible ways. Same in the manga. It doesn't make any sense anymore they are like made into this hundred meter long rolls some kind of sushi rolls and but yeah then there is the funeral mom goes berserk they find out that the dragonfly pond has something to do with these weird mysterious events and we never really find out exactly what is going on in the, in the village we just know that Dragonfly Pond is evil. And is it mentioned only once in this film? So it kind of comes out of the blue when the father of Kiria is covered in mud mm. in the middle of the road. He mentions that he was having some fun with the clay at the Dragonfly Pond, and that's about it. In the manga, once again, the Dragonfly Pond is like a key element. It has this vortex body of water around it, and it seems to be sucking everything and everyone inside of it. People... Houses, cars, ships, and also the like three or four or five or six different vortexes that are rolling around the village. It just keeps sucking everything inside it. The horror elements kind of come out of nowhere in this film. There's not enough build-up. I feel. Especially there's this scene where Shuichi goes to the bed of her mother to see how she's doing in the hospital, and then finds the scissors under the sheets. And uh, there are very rarely any kind of moments of tension for me. Maybe some moments of tension, but I wouldn't say that I was horrified. Mm. So th- this is this is th- something that has been criticized a lot about this film. It doesn't know how to build up exactly.
1: Mm. Yes. I, on the other hand, had have pretty much entirely other take on the film. Okay. I do admit that individual sequences in the film may not achieve the best possible levels of terror but at the same time there is kind of this underlying constant current of fear Mm. and a feeling that something is just not right and Mm. i think that throughout the film this kind of a heightens the tension basically in everything that happened so to me the moments of horror do not appear to come out of nowhere all of a sudden And for me, most of the film actually works quite well. Simply because of this under the current feeling of dread. This constant feeling that what is happening is completely unnatural. And also there is a lot of usage of double exposure shots. Which I felt that kind of really helps to... A. They are... At times they are used quite well to transition between the cuts. Like for example... On the night drive scene when they meet Kyria's father as he is returning from the pond. But they also kind of give this eerie feeling. Bring out the feeling of some kind of a force lurking behind the scenes, watching the people and the town as the film proceeds. And when it comes to capturing the manga's sense that there is this cosmic force or some kind of a being behind the curse and behind everything that happens in the film, I think that, that the overall feeling combined with these double exposure shots are the film at its peak trying to capture that feeling of an overcoming outside force
0: yeah wow okay when looking at scenes like where Kirie is opening the washing machine and finds the body inside it is effective how fast like the horror effect comes into play like out of nowhere there's this spiral tongue coming out of the mouth of the body then looking at her but there are things that I might have done differently, but it's obvious that this kind of, for me, it cheapens a little bit of the look when you have zoom-ins to the eye that is done digitally, Then then you have overexposed shot back to Kirie where she's screaming and the color is tinted into red all of a sudden. This feels like something that is like a filler into this whole scene to make it seem more creepy than it actually was when they shot it. If they would leave all those effects behind, perhaps it would even be more effective to me That's hard to say
1: i I have to completely disagree basically in everything you just said
0: so how are you affected by uh, I thought that you would that you like horror that is more realistic
1: it depends on the film actually with me there is no this certain type of horror that works for me it pretty much comes down to the story that the film is trying to tell you I can take my realistic horror, I can take my serial killers and I can take my martyrs and at the same time I can take my HP Lovecraft and I can take my cosmic entity.
0: Yeah, in my opinion since we are having like twisted bodies and everything uh, supernatural they could have left the film itself to be more realistic and grounded as they have done in everything else but then there are all these sudden effects that kind of pull me out when the scene is done.
1: To me, on the other hand, I found a lot of David Lynch on those moments, not in every single effect, of course, not when they tilt the entire picture as they do in couple of times, but overall I find a lot of David Lynch going on here, not so directly. Not so that I'm saying that they are copying Lynch's style or that they have even been affected by Lynch. I want to say that this is something where you obviously see that the director has watched David Lynch's films and taken cues from him, but I guess in here I kind of see a director who has had the similar frame of mind in back of his head to David Lynch's style and is combining that with Ito's work.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm not sure how that is uh, something that benefits the film necessarily, but...
1: Just... Are you saying that David Lynch does not benefit the film? Is, is that the <laughs> statement depends. you are making here?
0: <laughs> it depends. I'm very... No, no, I'm...
1: It most definitely does not depend, you know. <laughs> Be, film podcasters have been burned at the stake for lesser <laughs> statements as you are pulling here.
0: No, I'm very hard to please. Maybe you have noticed it in, in some previous episodes.
1: It, it's, it's coming pretty obvious here at the moment, I must tell you.
0: Yeah. Well, that aside, the scene that really makes things downright funny is the death of Yamaguchi, when the driver itself also dies and the eye is popping out of the windshield. So, granted, yes, this uh, windshield also breaks in such a way that it's making uh, these waves, so it might even look like a spiral, and the eye is in the center of it. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's very, it's very artistic, and but it's, you know. It's a moment that made me smile <laughs> in my twisted head.
1: I, I found it quite nicely to be compared, you know, the, the graphical presentation of the typhoon that's about to hit the town, which they show in, in the newsreel in the film.
0: For me, this felt like a scene that works beautifully in a manga, but in live action, it's funny.
2: It's always a challenge to transcribe something from... Yeah. Manga to live action
0: But yeah, no problem particularly the, This is shortly followed by a scene That might be my favorite of uh, the in- entire film Maybe the conclusion or sort of conclusion Excluded from the equation It's a scene where the centipede comes into the room Of the mother of Shuichi It's very simple There are these uh, station shots Make for easily made CGI I guess it doesn't bother me. This works great. You have these kind of uh distant shots. Then you have the close-up of the creature going inside the ear. I think that's that's a very powerful scene. I don't know what, what else I should say about it. It's <laughs> I guess everyone who sleeps could dread this kind of a uh, moment taking place when they sleep, so all of these, you know, day to day things that we dread always translate pretty well in the film. Serial killers and centipedes.
2: Definitely, they even had like the sound effects all sitting like.
0: Oh yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. In the manga, it takes again a moment before the mother realizes that uh, there is indeed a spiral inside your ear. Here, it's quite instant, and in the manga, the mother goes to the office of the doctor, and then Shuichi is trying his best to make it so that the mother will not see uh, the poster behind mm. the doctor where it illustrates also the uh, spiral in the ear. Well, Shuichi manages to ward off this subject for a while, but then the mother finds this out by herself, actually by the visions that she has of the family father that is now dead and is tormenting about something spiral being inside her ear, and then she goes nuts and kills herself.
1: I actually I was waiting for you to This to be the moment the scene with the film where you actually have the problem. Why? Well, because this kind of uh, is I would say the effect use which you have criticized is I would say most heavy here.
0: I wouldn't say that. Why? Because the mother is having visions because she's crazy. Okay, that's great.
1: But you don't Yeah, yeah but, but but they they have basically extremely heavy image filtering here they have effects running on top of the image like the spiral continuously spinning as you get color filtered image of the mother and the image starts to flash and you got the strobe effect and i mean if you're saying that at times the film's reliance on effects and the way how it uses effects makes the film feel comedical i would say this is the peak
0: It depends entirely on the situation. and Here I feel that we are watching everything, especially the Vertigo effect from inside the mother's head. She is the one that is the only one that is experiencing this. So it's okay. She is hallucinating or spiralingating or whatever I should say. I think I have the problem with the previous scene with the washing machine because it pulls these effects at the moment of the conclusion of the big surprise moment. And then, then it resets to normal
1: but doesn't basically the hospital scene with the mother do the exact same stunt? I mean, right after that scene ends, the film once again returns back to normal, just like the washing machines. And closer to the end of that scene we get, the more heavier the effect use comes.
0: Hmm. Well, here the effect has a definite point. You have to illustrate that the guy is speaking under the bed. So that's done. That's uh, important to the story. And so is kind of the rest of it. As in, whereas if we could go again back to the washing machine scene, which is a dream sequence as well, right? Well, that is a dream sequence. This is some kind of a hallucination. Well, in the dream sequence, I would be more at the edge if you would skip the effects. I don't know how you would f- approach it, but try to imagine the scene without any effects. Uh, expect for the body in the washing machine saying hello.
1: I don't know. To me, kind of the body saying hello is kind of the farthest that- that scene pushes the limits. The the later effect use that comes after that, in the very same scene, they somehow to me they feel like once again not pushing it as far as the reveal of the body.
0: Of course I usually like psychological horror, though that what is grounded on the rules of reality. So something like Uzumaki goes kind of out of that league for me. So... Being that my favorite horror movie of all time is probably Halloween, that what? tells you something. I am looking for the grounded, mm. realisticity.
2: Mm. Somewhat on the opposite side. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Nora. What's your favorite horror movie, if any?
2: I don't think I have any like straight up favorites, but usually, yeah, I prefer the sort of realistic type of approach that you can easily like imagine yourself in the scene or happening in real life to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. That makes me feel more terrified, if that's the effect that you're looking for from your audience. But, well, different things for different folks, uh, once Mm -hmm. again. But let's look at the Lord of the Rings barometer. Who here likes Lord of the Rings, like uh, cupcakes, if you like cupcakes?
2: They're okay. I'm not a huge fan. I've seen the movies, and they're good. But, uh, yeah, they're okay.
0: Yeah, I have something of a similar feeling. I never was like a Lord of the Rings nerd for sure. Mm. In fact, my favorite one of those three is The Fellowship of the Ring because still less effect-driven than the rest of it, I would say. And it's about the journey. And you feel like you're traveling with the group. And it's less so in Two Towers, in my opinion, already. But yeah, jumping off topic. But I understand the person who most likes fantasy elements is Henrik here.
1: I'm getting that feeling also. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm getting the feeling that I'm being surrounded by horror snobs here.
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I
1: don't know.
0: I'm just a sad attempt at a horror snob here. But yeah, just that's what I like to see.
1: Yeah, to me originally I grew up with with H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. And the Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll. And basically. These horror stories that try to combine scientific approach and extremely fantastic horror scenarios. This being the case, especially with Lovecraft. So, in that case, I, I can fully believe that when it comes to fantastic elements in horror stories, I may be more okay with them than you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spent my childhood with strange gods that sleep for aeons and turn people into goddamn soulless fish monsters.
2: (laughs) That might tell something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it tells me something. I grew up with Halloween when we were talking about horror, so of course that has some kind of an effect. I grew up with James Bond, as we have noticed in this podcast many times before. Uh, I grew up So, with, so uh, I, I have always just been drawn into things that are realistic, unfortunately, I guess, in this case.
1: So, but basically, at this point, you either have to pick between Roger Moore or a James Bond film <laughs> or films that are realistic. <laughs> well, like, like you, you can't have both. You, it, know, it, it, you, know, you, you can't have Roger Moore and a Bond film and, and then go and say that Lord of the Rings is too fantastic. <laughs>
0: In fact, in fact, if we get to those uh, tasty James Bond episodes later this year, hopefully, you might find out that I'm much more drawn into, at least in these later stages of... What the fucking later stages? In this uh, stage of my life, I am more drawn into the, well, realistic James Bond, if you will. So you would find me being uh, excited about... Films like Dalton's License to Kill. Everything has ridiculous and fantastical aspects. Yeah, that we, I guess cannot be avoided. But as I said, I think this, uh, what James Cameron was talking about, is why, for example, Terminator 2 works in a different level, because you're surrounded by this kind of a believable setting, but then this uh, is kind of abrupted by these entities that quite don't fit into the picture Terminators. And that's more exciting than uh, overexposed. Pictures for the sake of overexposing pictures.
1: Once again, you know, it tries to show you a strange unexplainable force watching in from the behind the scene. That is as Lovecraft as this film gets. And as basically the manga points out the original story that Ito himself wrote, it gets pretty damn Lovecraft towards the end.
0: Yeah, apparently H.P. Lovecraft was one of the major influences of Junji Ito, so...
1: Yeah, that's something that you can, in my opinion, really see in the later chapters. Especially at the very ending of the story. Yeah.
0: I like the spiral hair. They pay much more attention in the entire chapter in the manga for the spiraled hair. And also Kirie is cursed by this hair, but uh, Shuichi manages to cut it with scissors, finally. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, she got the spiraled hair in the manga?
0: Yeah, she has it in the manga.
2: No uh, sadly right. not in the movie.
0: Yeah, here it's just like a, it's like a quick scene where you just see this hair on the other person.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of build-up for basically one wave of a week, which you get in the film and then comes the still shot of the corpse. Yeah, one
0: thing we should note in this podcast is that uh, this film was actually made before the full Uzumaki was released as a manga. This explains why the ending is entirely different to the manga version, Mm. where they go inside the depths of the earth to this world which is full of spirals. But here we concentrate on the relationship of Kiria and Shuichi. Shuichi, which unfortunately succumbs or gets infected by this curse. Shuichi goes crazy scene. That was one of the more hair-raising moments of this film. That was well done. Pretty freaky. Where the special effects come to play.
2: Mm, In the end,
0: yeah. Yeah, in the very, very end.
2: Yeah, it was something. Yeah, quite something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's nice to see this uh, exorcist type of body twisting moment.
1: Truly. Then again, this actually once again is something that I personally feel was brought into better end in the manga. In here it's straight up horror moment. Yeah. And in the manga, there is this kind of a tender, bittersweet conclusion to their love story, which happens at this point.
0: But it was kind of left, I think, unexplained what really happened to them at the end of the day. If, well, spoilers, spoilers, you don't need to listen to this in this podcast if you still want the manga without spoilers. But in the manga, the time kind of resets back to the moment when everything was normal again, Mm -hmm. which explains why... Nobody has evidence of the previous suggested occurrences of this curse being in the play in the village. So everything resets back to normal. So that would then kind of suggest that maybe they are okay. Or they never existed. Mm-hmm. As characters. But you know, like manga, this ending is kind of up to interpretation a lot. Just Shuichi approaches Kiria, and that's the end of the film. Chapter 4 is just comes come into the Uzumaki, and it's uh, basically a bunch of still images Mm. from the after effects of the curse.
1: Yeah, something to note here on the still images, since you brought up the Suichi ending being still left quite open, is the fact that when the still images start to roll, Kiria's body is nowhere to be seen near Suichi, giving the hint that Kiria still made it out of the building after Suichi attacked him.
0: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Or would it be suggesting some kind of a time reset as well? People have lost their eyes, everything is twisted. Yeah, you see Shuichi on the floor. Oh, what a happy ending, then. Main character gets out of life, I guess.
1: Or then not. Like I said, it's extremely hard to say in the end. I mean, the very last of the still images that you get shown here is actually... Well, w- once again, going with the comparisons to Lovecraft. And the otherworldly, godly forces we get just before the end credits the last still shot, which is this kind of a hole in the sky shining light to the lake and the clouds forming spiral around the hole, giving you the image of some kind of a god shining a light and looking down the town.
0: And there's a wooden container in the pond. Of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's the. For my regulation, it's the bucket that Kiria's father used. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he was carrying some sort of wooden buckets when they saw him on the road.
0: Yeah, in the manga, the father of Shuichi doesn't go into a washing machine. It's actually some kind of a wooden bucket or wooden container. Hmm. This looks different to that. But you that mean was... different
1: to what? Yeah,
0: different to the one where the father of Shuichi dies in the manga. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, hell of a lot of questions in the air. But that was Uzumaki. And visually it's definitely interesting. And a subject that hasn't been tackled with very many times in uh, horror. Spirals. So I give it that one. And a lot of body horror. A lot of creative body horror. Twisted bodies.
2: And eyes. Yeah. You name it.
0: You know... Even before seeing this film, film, or even before reading the manga, just getting the main idea of what this film would be about, what this whole concept would be about, it felt like some kind of an obsession that Junji Ito just came up with and just decided to go with it. It became some kind of an obsession to him, but I'm still not quite sure if this obsession was worth sticking with, or it was the concept itself spirals, I think it could be really interesting on the film, but it doesn't really go fully as berserk as I was hoping for it to go. It was visually interesting, but I think it could have pulled a lot more punches on the way. There's a lot that you can pull out of this material. I think uh mainly the budget limitations are here at play. I would with pleasure see a new adaptation, a new version of this film with an increased budget and Maybe Junji Ito, as a writer of the screenplay.
2: Mm. Would be an interesting thing to see if that ever happens.
0: Yeah, this seems more now like a gimmick at places. Like something nice to kind of cling on to, but not fully executing it. Mm. But Henrik is totally on another boat, or...
1: Yeah, I I would actually say that I am completely opposed. Or not completely. I mean, I, I can see where you are coming from. I, myself, I have to confess that the film is not flawless. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, now on the repeated viewing, I do kind of admit that it has lost some of its effect on me. But still, overall, I still quite enjoyed it. Mm. And I can quite admire its attempts on capturing this. Well, basically trying to capture both the ethos manga is a daunting task on its own right, but also this sense of Lovecraftian terror. Even if it may not be done on purpose by the director, it was something that Yunji Ito certainly was going after. And I, I, I think that in the end, when it comes to making a Lovecraftian film, Uzumaki does at least make a valiant effort.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a very ambitious project. Well... I think I can raise my hat for this being the director's first film as I can see it on the IMDB and visually it was a pleasure to watch. Interesting concept no doubt, no doubt. What I would like to see more is perhaps more concentrating on the answers in this case or I think this film lacks some kind of a ground rules which might be the issue with the manga as well. There's but, but- little little things established, there's a lot shown. So what what are the rules of the checkerboard?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that as an argument. I, on the other hand, I'm on the other end of the spectrum here. But basically answers and rules are something that never come that much into play in Lovecraftian stories.
0: There has to be though some rules, right? Because easily it happens so that once you don't have any established rules you lose interest.
1: It depends on the material that the author manages to produce. I wouldn't say that rules automatically make the material interesting or or the lack of rules automatically make the material boring.
0: Okay, so I see that, that you're taking this perhaps more as a kind of a visual fiesta of sorts and you're saying, fuck the rules and just me, the main thing is, is, is not the storytelling. The main thing is not the storytelling to you, right? Yeah, the main thing is just seeing how everything is done.
1: Huh? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. The main thing is storytelling, but the story it's trying to tell is a story that is impossible to put on simple words or in any kind of a simple construction. Like we are dealing here with something that is outside of human comprehension. That That is basically the main point behind the i don't know that the threat or anything that that's behind of the events that happened in uzumaki it's something that you can't put into words it's something that you can't understand with a human comprehension and when you, when you are dealing with something like that how, how the hell you put rules into it because making rules or creating rules would be automatically binding it, in some form or the another, and that would actually make it more comprehensible. And basically the story is trying to go exactly the opposite direction.
0: In Junji Ito's work, what I've seen here, and what I've heard, I appreciate that he takes everyday aspects of life and then turns them completely around into something else, like making spirals which seem quite harmless into something nefarious. Anyway, the, the point with uh, Junji Ito seems to be that you take everyday aspects and then you twist it around. For example, you take eyeball. Eyeballs should be functioning normally as per usual. Eyeballs don't twist on themselves uh, in different directions on the left and the r- right eye. So you cannot trust anything is the point that he is drawing. And uh, that can be very terrifying, but I'd like to have more some kind of a ground rules or uh, this film you know just ends right on its tracks and as you said okay this is not supposed to be understood all right and that's exactly what it does henrik i'm still trying to desperately make this as a staple of the podcast so
1: what so what you you hating larger concepts.
0: no me trying to push the category of uh, one youtube comment per episode
1: that that that's a that's a notion that it's being contaminated by the spiral. <laughs> would like, you have a
0: like co- the, comment like for me see,
1: yeah. like see, seeing you know your your
0: a dedication to this podcast
1: your reservedness that the, the verbs a uh, spiraling and spirals you know I, i'm still astonished that you are going on with a goddamn youtube comment
0: yeah i thought you, you would have something very smart to comment on this following uh, university-ish level type of a flash of how should I say this poeticness the comment is uh, what the fuck homie any comments on that?
1: well my answer would be the wrath of a malicious god
0: alright before we get sucked into the spiral let's get the quick categories out of the way so Nora what's your favorite performance of this film?
2: hmm I think I would go with maybe Shuichi.
0: Okay, yeah. You choose the one that has like maybe the least amount of uh, facial expressions.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: But, <laughs>
2: he pulls yeah. it well.
0: Yeah. My favorite performance would be well, Shuichi still has like the widest variety of acting in this film because at the end he turns into the spiraling out of control Shuichi. So and. I believed in the character. I don't find anything like standout moments here. But let's just go with Shuichi. Henrik?
1: I also would pick Shuichi here. He shows stoic rationality throughout the film.
0: Yeah, you're right. The most rational part of this film, right there. Nora, what's your favorite scene?
2: Hmm. I kind of ended up really liking the first death with the spiral stairs. And yeah. when they took notice of him looking like he had a smile, kind of stuck with me.
0: That's a good one.
1: I would pick the first Suichi's father's body in the washing machine scene. The one where Kirie has just found the body.
0: I would definitely pick the ending scene then, where Suichi goes mad. Mm. Although you could argue that it's not from the most original side of this film, but uh, it raised the hair up a little bit here. Any favorite quotes? Nora.
2: Nothing that stuck to mind, really.
0: Well, you know, this is from Kyrie. It was something that I wrote down. It's, uh, it's so quiet. It's as none of it were real. But if this is all a dream, I hope I wake up soon. Henrik, any quotes?
1: I I would have to say it's from the scene where Suichi's mother kills herself. The entity kind of speaking to her and saying it wants to turn into vortex and be asleep in your ear. Like that, that's pickup <laughs> material right there. <laughs> definitely. Yeah,
0: definitely. A favorite kill of this film? Nora. Mm.
2: Hmm. Maybe... Maybe Shuichi in the end, going like full blast, <laughs> caught got caught in these spirals. And uh, especially since he was a almost like a major character that you kind of like got to know throughout the movie. And in the end, you kind of like already knew him, so it had an impact.
0: Yeah, true. I would go with the first kill, the spiral staircase kill. But if we're talking about manga, I would probably go with uh, Yamaguchi. Well, Kill of a kill, a zombie kill, mm. when he goes into pieces after being pulled from the grave. Henrik?
1: I would also pick the opening death, the spider staircase, suicide. As it's, like being been pointed out, it's visually extremely effective and it opens the film very effectively. It automatically gets you into the move and shows you that... When it comes to the style of a movie, this is not your typical Japanese horror film.
0: I would like to argue that point, but I'm not sure how to present it to you, so you would be
1: kind of I, I, understanding I will, this. I, I will declare myself victorious here immediately, <laughs> abusing the moment.
0: <laughs> you know, staircase kill in the Japanese film, not uh, something entirely new, I would say, but I would say that... Uh, it's a shocking moment. It works.
1: Yeah, a death in a staircase. Most definitely is nothing new in Japanese horror. I'm not making that point, but in my opinion the way how it's presented, the music, the coloring of the image, the smile on his face and the spinning of the image as it slowly draws back and shows you more and more the spiral. You know, to me, that's something that you don't typically see used to the effect in, in Japanese horror. It's most often it's steady camera shots, no panning everywhere. It's a steady shot of a staircase, and then something happens, and death is the end result.
0: But, Henrik, this has the moment that you have been waiting for. The most important question of the evening. Do you like sushi?
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's okay if it's fresh and done right. If if it, Like, there is ways to make sushi and completely fuck it up. I know since I've tried it and fucked it up myself. Mm. And usually, you know, especially in Finland, the average sushi you get is not, in my opinion, that good. And I would most definitely not eat it. But if you do sushi right, if you don't make standard Finnish sushi, it's quite enjoyable.
0: Nora, do you like sushi? (laughs)
2: Um, yes and no. I actually haven't had good sushi in Finland, (laughs) but in Japan, it's uh, quite a different thing there. So I actually ended up Hmm. really liking it there.
0: Okay. Do you go with fish in it? Do you take it raw?
2: Yes, actually. uh, The one that was my absolute favorite was, uh, they called it salmon salad, but it was just like uh, the nigiri type with the rice and then a slice of raw salmon on top. And then some mayo, thin sliced onion on top of it. It was so good.
0: Okay, nice. I have been very fond of the vegan type of, of sushi meals lately. I mean, I absolutely love to have the raw fish in it. There was this meal called California, and I was really fond of it in Poland. Mm-hmm. And everything goes in sushi except the one with raw red meat. I think that's, that's mm-hmm. just weird. Mm-hmm. But uh, now that I have successfully, of course, reset everyone's brain to different dimensions outside of this film, now tell me what is the first image that comes to mind when you think about this film, Nora?
2: Spiral?
1: <laughs> too, maybe too obvious? <laughs> spirals? No, no, no it's, a, it's a good call. It's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, I would just.
0: This is not particularly interesting, but the first thing that I can think of literally when I think about this film is the scene when Yamaguchi and Kirie meet for the first time during this film. And then Henrik's turn.
1: I will also go with spirals. In my case, it's the shot of Shuichi's father in the room where he's surrounded by the spirals. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice one.
2: I thought the spiral hair was kind of fun as well. That's something that stuck to me. I'm so... Weird and random, but
0: <laughs> indeed
2: spiral hair. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> what took you out of this film? Was there a moment where you thought that, oh heck, this broke the film's illusion, or this was stupid? Not a-
2: nothing, really. I think maybe at times when you can like definitely see that it's a low-budget film, especially on horror, when you have to like kind of maintain the atmosphere, that sometimes the effects might be a bit. Of the sort that would take you out. But other than that, I don't think anything else.
0: Yeah, I would still go with Kirian and washing machine, unfortunately. <laughs> Henrik?
1: Well, quickly, two things come to mind. The first one is on Schwitz's father's funeral. Schwitz's mother's eyes and the effect they have when the sky starts to kind of a spin into a spiral that lands into the lake. The CGI effect there was something that I, I kinda of giggled when I saw it. <laughs> and the later one is very end when the now possessed and dead Suichi attacks Kirie. The oh. exact moment when he's kind of a hunching over Kirie and there is the extremely close-up shot on Suichi's face. That was also something the whole scene for me is walking on the edge. I admired for taking risks here. And it's doing this tightrope dance between being eerie and being just hilarious. And most part, it does manage that dance pretty well. But then on the final moment, I think it just takes it just a tad bit too far and lands on its face. Okay, what pulled you in, Nora?
2: I think it was the um, kind of like the mystery of it all. I'm usually like really into like when murder mystery stuff. Yeah, kind of like the mystery of like what is going on intrigued me and made me keep on watching.
0: Mm. Um, just generally, I would mention the obsession with spirals in everything like eating utensils, cups, just spirals, man, spirals. Mm. They pulled me in. That's supposed to be dangerous, I guess. So uh, giving this one next to Henrik.
1: I would say the overall feel of the movie. Like I said, there is this kind of a Lynchian, Lovecraftian vibe going on under the surface and for me it kind of was was this force that constantly did pull me into the movie even after those couple of scenes that kind of pulled me out they immediately put me back in but if, if I would have to pinpoint one scene which I would choose as a showcase of the effect I would go with the opening shot the spiral staircase suicide
0: okay handing the scissors to Nora first so scissors of sacrilege section. What would you change in the film? You can now cut anything from the celluloid. Would you alter anything?
2: (sighs) It's kind of upsetting when they turn long mangas and like comic books into short films, especially if they're not even finished when they're doing them. Yeah, and um, so maybe like I don't know, maybe a series would have been better because the plot and the whole thing goes kind of further than what you can do with one hour and 30 minutes. So instead of like cutting, taking something out, maybe like putting mm. something more in because um, yeah. it kind of l- left like the unfinished feeling or like what's going to happen next and so on. So yeah.
0: Indeed, yeah. I felt like it. it's lacking certain structure. It, it could have picked uh, like very specific themes that it would be delving around but now it's like just Random thing happens here, random thing happens there. But if that's what you're aiming for, then that's what you have. For me, same thing. Where to cut? Like, every scene is sort of a curiosity in itself. Maybe I would have also added some kind of a meter on the edges of the relationship of Kirje and and, uh, Shuichi. Henrik?
1: I don't know. I mean, like I said, there there are a lot of problems with the film in the end. I feel there are many areas where... Things I wish would have made better, but I can't say, or I can't give you a blueprint how to fix those scenes, how to make them better, how to kind of elevate the overall film.
0: Why? I demand that you give me like specific instructions, the right time code, and what are we going to fill, like shot by shot.
1: I, I In that case, I would say that the overall experience should be more surreal and more subliminal. That might be something that I would be <laughs> attempted to do here. More effects, more spanning cameras and more double exposure shots and more sub... <laughs> add, adding to that, subliminal messaging. Uh, no.
0: I suppose since we are kind of dancing on the, on the rope on, for this movie, like if we would give a star rating, I suppose it would be somewhere around three stars. That's the kind of vibe that I'm getting here, so... This might be appropriate to ask. So, watch test. Did you look at your watch, or did you put your attention to something else than this film during the film? Nora. Mm,
2: no, no. Sometimes my thought process during the film might like run away, but um, I tried to
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> take as much of it in as possible.
1: Yeah, I have. I have a feeling that you are the one with most problems with the film here, Curry.
0: But I did give it a recommendation.
1: You did give it a recommendation.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like Nora said, my mind must have been wandering somewhere around the snails going up the school building. And uh, the lack of structure seems clear. I was again, like for the third or fourth time, if that's what you want to do, that's what you get. Right here. But Henrik, are you satisfied with Uzumaki?
1: Uh, to a point. To a point, yeah. Like I said, in some aspects the manga does the whole thing better. On the other hand, there is the whole thing like the jumping corpse where basically the manga maybe is, or even the manga is kind of taking it all a bit too far. But if compared to the film and the manga, I feel that the manga does a better job. But then again, seeing kind of the budget that's on play here, seeing the daunting task that well, filming the entire manga, or making a film adaptation of the manga, as it is, would, well, maybe be too much to actually try. So I'm willing to give some leeway to the film, and in a lot of ways I still do appreciate what the film tries to do, and I say that for the most part it succeeds on what it's trying. So overall, yeah... I'm not saying that perfection on film or anything like that, but I am still relatively happy with the film.
0: Henrik, would you recommend Uzumaki?
1: It wouldn't be a glowing recommendation. If I would have to say that you have to pick between the manga and the film, I would say go with the manga. Because the film still, it's kind of a doing a chuckling act here and it does not always manage to pull it off for the fullest of the effect but yeah yeah i I would give a medium recommendation to uzumaki there's definitely worse films that you could watch and there are not that many films that even try to make this kind of a story
0: nora would you recommend uzumaki
2: i think that this film is something that i wouldn't necessarily recommend to everyone like, if i um, hanging out with friends and I'd be like, hey, have you seen this movie? You should check it. I think it's something that, in my opinion, it was a interesting watch. It was fun to watch it. But um, I'd recommend it to someone who is, has already an interest in maybe foreign films and foreign horror films. As a classic example of like Japanese horror, maybe you should check this movie out. Or, and if they're more intrigued, then maybe check the manga out if they're interested in reading as it um, does it better. But um, yes, I would recommend it to some people, not everyone. But to those who I feel like they would enjoy and understand and appreciate the art of it, I would recommend this to them.
0: Yeah, um, I, I would carefully, once again, recommend this film due to this visual appeal that we have talked about here. But... When it comes to the terrifying factor, the horror factor, I would recommend probably something else. For people who are familiar with Japanese films, this will not come as a surprise in its visual aspects, but uh, yeah, it's an idea that has not been displayed before, as far as I know, so watch it once, watch it once, at least. Mm. Do you have any favorite films that you can think out of Japan?
2: The main that come to mind of course the classic Chibli productions and um, there's this I think it came out like a few years back the Your Name animation as well that I'm very interested to see it has been there's been a lot of talks about it but I still have yet to see it so I'm interested in seeing that but um, yes the Chibli ones are close at heart when it comes to Japan and thinking about their film industry.
0: I have to expose myself uh, in that sense that I am more knowledgeable in the area of Japanese horror than uh, anything else. That's how I found the Japanese films in the first place. Mm. Of course, Ringu is something very legendary that everybody should watch. And apart from that, I've been watching some shitty drama slash comedy like My Darling is a Foreigner. So I'll just leave it at that. I I cannot recommend it, by the way. Henrik?
1: I am i noticed that we are doing a film podcast here and nobody has mentioned Akira Kurosawa. Like, the fuck, guys! Well, the fuck!
0: I'm trying my best to avoid all films that are classics.
1: Yeah, I, I guess you do that sometimes.
0: Anything to add before we head into the parking lot of the flickering laboratory and close the doors? Nora, is there something that you would like to kind of advertise uh, about yourself? Do you want to? expose where people can find you or is there some works that might be interesting for our listeners
2: not really, nothing of sort at the moment go visit okay. Japan <laughs> yeah, that's noted all I'm gonna advertise it's definitely a place you should visit at least once in your life I believe
0: I am actually looking into the possibilities of going there in the following months, I hope that works and does not end up in the fantasy trash can as mm-hmm. it usually often happens in this yeah. life, especially with crappy planning better. methods. Yeah. I feel that. You can find the Flick Lab from Facebook, the deepest levels of hell, and from Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you, Nora, once again for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you for your insights about uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're not terrified to your core after this episode of the Flick Lab or the Spirals.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Likewise. Bye, everyone. Insane technical problems.
1: Technical problems.
0: Henrik, nyt pätkii tosi pahasti
1: sama. Ei varmaan enää.
0: <tuh> no niin just hyvä. Voit ottaa uestaa jos <tuh> uh,
1: mistä kohtaa suo pätkäs?
0: Koko monologi.
1: Aa uh, no, sata, en, en tiedä yhtään mistä puhuut. Saataan olla että me ollaan kuutotaina aa täällä piuhoilla.
0: <tuh> Oliko oo joku niinku pointti mitä sä sanoit tuossa siis mitään äsken.
1: Itse asiassa ei ei ollut
0: <tuh> että vedatko vaikka suomeksi niin kuin mikä oli tuo juttus ydin tossa.
1: Siis me me idaat Akira kävelee. Mitä Taas. Saa koudesta. Henrik! Niin? Joo.
0: Oi voi. Kuuluuko Henrik?
1: Kuuluu. Siis mulle päin kuuluu. Kuuluuko en mä teille? Emme kuule
0: sinua. Mutta Henrik kuulee
1: meidät. Hmm.
0: No. hitot. Kuuluuko nytten? Nyt kuuluu. Oliko meillä jotain erityistä säätämistä vielä tässä?
1: Ei visi. Päivän vaikka että me ollaan riidelty periaatteessa. kaikista <laughs> mistä me saadaan riita aikaiseksi.
0: Next week, Henrik. We're going with the listener recommendations Blade Runner. Are you already on the running track?
1: Ah, piuttosto impast totalmente